Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Raggio. I'm a senior fellow at Foundation for Defense of Democracies and editor of FDD's Long War Journal. This is Generation Jihad, the podcast that covers all things in what used to be known as the global war on terror, but we now call the Long War. Today, we continue our coverage of Israel's struggle against Hamas and various terror groups after the horrific October 7th attack. So, of course, have my friend and colleague, Joe Trisman, back on to join us. Joe is a research analyst for FDD's Long War Journal. Joe is very plugged in on these issues, as you all know. Uh, we've had a lot of discussions with Joe. You follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Trisman. That's T-R-U-Z-M-A-N. Yeah, give Joe a follow if you aren't already. When I wake up, Joe's usually up before me, and he's uh, keeping me up to date, and he's a, he's a great resource on this. So, Joe, welcome back to Generation Jihad. Great to have you, as always. Hey, Bill. Uh, well, as always, just like you're saying, it's, it's a great pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a long war and even longer. Um, you know, thanks again. Sorry uh, to the listeners. Sorry, we got a little off track. Um, I was doing some traveling the last couple of days and just didn't have good internet access to get um, to get Joe on the horn. So we'll, we're, today we're going to take a do a quick sweep, do a tactical update of what's going on in Gaza, in the north and the Le- Lebanon Syrian border. What's going on with the militias? And um, some roommate out there on a you know a supposed assassination attempt on Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority. We'll get Joe's take on that. Joe, um, first, let's take a look at the Israeli offensive in Gaza. Um, as we, I think we talked about this very early on. We discussed the strategy. We said that it's highly likely the uh, I, the Israel Defense Force would segment the northern part of Gaza and then slowly work its way in to clear the maze of tunnels and the rubble and Hamas fighting positions. Tell us what's what's going on. When did the IDF seal off um, the northern half of Gaza and what's been happening there? Right. Uh, so in the last few days, uh, essentially, sort of just like what you've been saying, uh, Gaza is being split into north and south, right? So, and right now, what the IDF is probably has done already or effectively done already is surround uh, one of the uh, major cities in Gaza is called Gaza City, uh, which has served as a hub for Hamas and other Palestinian terrorist organizations that uh, where they are to from where they operate from. So uh, it's an important step or an important phase in this uh, ground war, right? Because the ultimate goal for Israel that they've been saying from the beginning is to destroy Hamas in Gaza all right that's the goal here so uh so far they've it appears that they are uh going ahead with that goal that they're achieving that goal right uh they haven't gotten the big guys meaning they haven't gotten to the leadership the core leadership of Hamas uh I'm not even sure if they're in Gaza right now to be quite honest with you uh just due to uh you know the tunnels uh between Egypt and Gaza. So uh, they may have escaped. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, the goal is, of course, to get rid of Hamas, to destroy Hamas in Gaza. So, uh, so far, they're achieving that, but we're still in the very early stages, I'm afraid to say. Something like this is, and we've talked about it before, 
this is going to take a long time. This isn't weeks. This isn't a couple months. This is a you know this could be a campaign that can last more than a year or even or even years. Uh, who knows exactly? But uh, but that's where we're at. The Israeli military is making uh, is. is they're achieving their goals so far, right? They're not stalled out in some areas. Doesn't seem like they are. They're pressing ahead. Yes, they're fighting with uh, uh, members of Hamas and other groups. Some soldiers have been killed. I don't have the number on me right now, but I think it's uh, a couple of dozen, approximately a couple of dozen soldiers since the offensive started, uh, their ground war rather. So the IDF is suffering casualties, of course, but uh, so, but yeah, so, so far for the Israeli military, so far, so good. They have this, uh, this major city of Gaza city, uh, encircled. Yeah. It's a, you know, we, so Joe, I have a couple of things that first I've seen claims from Hamas, um, that they've destroyed Israeli armor. Um, I've seen some videos of supposedly Israeli armor being targeted as well as one of those big bulldozers. I think they're D nine bull. Dozers or pop up armored bulldozers. Um, any credibility to those reports? I believe like eight or nine of the casualties were in an, an arm, an infantry fighting vehicle that was uh, destroyed by Hamas. But have you seen reports of a significant portion of Israeli armor being targeted and destroyed in Gaza, or just too difficult to know? Right. So this is the this is the tough part about my job, right? Because you get these statements from Hamas. They'll something along the lines of uh we targeted a zionist uh tank or military vehicle with uh you know yassin uh tandem rpgs or something you know something along those lines and we destroyed two two of these vehicles they'll say okay uh but there's a lot of the problem is there's a lot of propaganda there too, right? And, all, and then these messages, right? Because they want to make it appear that they're strong, they're they're fighting uh, fiercely against these uh, against the Israelis, and they're, they're exacting casualties on the Israelis. They are, however, I think it's exaggerated. Um, and this is just from prior experience, prior conflicts that I've tracked closely. Uh, they tend uh, Hamas and other groups tend to exaggerate claims or just outright lie. Okay, I'm not saying it doesn't happen as far as that they're not telling the truth in some cases but uh regardless it's still um it still happens so they they do they do uh exact casualties on the idea so um so yeah they and they and they publish videos that's the one thing when they publish the videos and there's actual evidence then I'm more inclined to believe them but uh it it, it sometimes happens they do publish evidence but it's um but a lot of times it's uh, an exaggeration yeah, and, and even with the videos, like you could see a vehicle being hit, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the vehicle has been destroyed or even disabled. It could be the Israelis have um, defensive systems that can intercept an RPG. They also have reactive armor on some of their equipment. So it's really difficult to know. And on the flip side, the Israelis, the, the IDF isn't in the business of verifying or shooting down Hamas claims, um, and they're not going to provide detailed information, particularly on equipment lost and, and you know, fair enough for operational security reasons. So you, when you have that, you can only, you can only, we can only be left guessing, I think is really the problem that we're, we're, that's the hand that we're dealt in this. I mean, unless you see a vehicle that's burned out and, you know, or just disabled on the battlefield, 
it's hard to verify those videos. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sorry to interrupt. But yeah, it's, um, you know, the interesting thing is in some of these videos, we can actually, uh, I, I suspect there's uh, uh, these, uh, tro the trophy system, uh, which is uh, it was on these tanks, uh, is is activated, right? But, you know, it looks like the uh, these tanks are getting hit, but in, in actuality, it's it's this, this trophy system in work. So, but the Hamas will claim, oh yeah, we they'll say, oh, we targeted a tank, which makes it seems like seems like it they did, they actually hit it, but in reality, they don't. But the the Israelis are not going to start, you know, trying to shoot down these claims. Uh, there's just too many of them, and again, like I said, they're often exaggerated. Um, sometimes, if it's something super specific and super important, um, like the the hospital bombing some weeks back that we talked about. I can see them intervening, all right, because it's in their interest to intervene as far as the Israelis are concerned. So, yeah, uh, but it's rare. It's for sure. And the Israelis are allowing civilians to to flee, I believe, on foot now um, from that northern cordon to the south. Is that in uh, are they providing times to do that? Or are they allowed to, to cross from north to south at any point in time? And do you know if the IDF is checking, particularly the military-aged males that are coming across, to keep them from escaping the north? Right. So uh, from they're establishing a certain a certain days and times, all right? I think they've done it two or three times already. So uh, I, I know that. And it's for about, I think... Uh, I think the one time, like today, I think it was earlier today or yesterday, it was for about four hours. So, and uh, then, you know, for for Gazans in the north to move south. Uh, so they've done that, right? And uh, to and it's it's a risk to their to troops as well because, at least according to the IDF, uh, they've come under fire during this time uh, for civilians to make it to safety. Okay, so and the IDF published uh, evidence of it. So evidence of of their troops coming under fire during this uh during this time so the listen you know the idf uh is doing this for a couple of reasons it's first obviously they're trying to uh they're trying to save the civilians from being uh, Palestinian civilians from being caught in the crossfire okay uh that's obviously number one it's the most important thing they're trying to um because the problem is here is that Hamas is using civilians. They use the civilians as cover. Uh, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't just like something I'm making up. This is absolutely true. I mean, just from the research I've done all these years on Hamas and other Palestinian groups, they, I mean, they build their military infrastructure uh, within this, within, you know, civilian homes, the tunnels under homes, under um schools uh they place rocket launchers by houses and, and so on and so forth so i'm sure everyone's heard of enough of it so uh yeah hamas uses these they need these civilians to to shield them right also uh the evacuation of citizens it helps the idf because they don't have to uh if they know a zone or an area they're trying to attack is free from civilians they're uh there and they know hamas members are there and they're fighting it, it gives them a it gives them a freer hand to fight you know to attack hamas right because they don't have to worry about the civilians uh or causing collateral damage to to, to uh to civilians so it, it's important uh it, it serves almost like a dual purpose for the idea get the civilians out for for the safety of the civilians and also uh it, it doesn't tie a high, uh, one of uh, hand behind their back right if they're trying to attack hamas in certain areas 
uh, due to uh, you know uh, possible civilian ca- uh, collateral damage to civilians. So, so yeah, so they are doing this. Uh, it's a good thing. Uh, are they going to do more? Probably, right? But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And one quick thing on the strategy, it sort of struck me, you know, and you had mentioned it, you know, are Hamas leaders, key leaders fleeing through those tunnels through from Gaza into Egypt? And that certainly is a possibility. You know, look, this doesn't require an answer, but you could weigh, certainly weigh in. I'm just wondering if the Israelis might have gotten this strategy backwards. If I were them, I would have sealed that border, um, worked to destroy those tunnels into Egypt. Um, and been able to maintain that border and then work my, you know, perhaps clear the South and then go North, um, or then go and do the North, you know, and then do the South. But that would have been my first step. I I think that's might be one of the mistakes the Israelis made here. Um, the only way to get to those tunnels would be to occupy that border and start digging and start searching for those entrances and um, I just hope that doesn't come back to bite them because some of these key leaders that, you know, we've talked about um, who we believe to still be in who may have been in Gaza, at least when this conflict started, if they're smart, they, they're, they'd be working to leave the country. But um, any thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, that's um, no, it's a very good point. Um, you know, Israel has a good, it's a good relationship with Egypt. All right. Over the years. I mean, Israel, it's, I mean, it's an open secret that Israel assisted the Egyptians uh, in fighting the Islamic State in the northern Sinai, all right? So that was a big deal. The, the Israelis really helped the Egyptians there. So um, you know, that's just one example, of course. But uh, so those ties are strong. Uh, they're not super, you know, public, I'd say. You know, you're not seeing Sisi and Netanyahu hugging it out, you know, but at the same time, there's a good relationship there, and but the Egyptians also have a relationship with um, uh, with the Hamas and Islamic Jihad. So, anyway, uh, you know, it's 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 probably it's difficult for the Israelis as far as trying to I think trying to manage this uh, issue with the tunnels between Israel between Gaza and, and Egypt. Of course, yeah, you know, you'd think they do everything they can to seal those tunnels, but um, you know, it's I, I just can't. I'm wondering about the logistics of it exactly and how, you know, for example, okay, so uh, some years ago, the Egyptians really got on to to those tunnels. They were sealing them up. Um, So uh, they were doing a good job. I don't know what happened. Maybe they missed a few. Maybe they just stopped doing it. I don't have that info. But anyway, it appears that there's still active tunnels. That's the thing. So, uh, and uh there's so there's so th- people goods weapons can move uh freely uh, between uh between both sides between egypt and gaza so yeah i mean you think it'd be one of the first things they do is just try to attack those those tunnels at least on the gaza side obviously right so uh to prevent anything but i don't know maybe they don't know where they are that's the thing you know it's a real well, possibility you know what you, you that's where i would i would draw that line straight across just as they've done into yeah, that uh, yeah. right and that would be my that would have been my first move if i was the israelis i would have been insured that blockade because look cc may not like hamas and may not want hamas leaders to escape i i don't know i don't know where he falls but the reality is, is in situations like this it's a local police commander or it's a local you know it's an army captain or someone who's turning the other way turning the other cheek or or making some good bucks or both 
um, in allowing that smuggling, whether it's human uh, or weapons or whatever it is, that's typically how that happens. So it could be the best efforts from on top to prevent that. Um, that's where I, if I was the, well, anyway, I mean, that's a, you know, we'll, we'll find out, we'll see how this all works out, but that would have been, that certainly would have been my, my first move. Um, let's discuss prime minister Netanyahu and Yahoo made some, you know, a lot, there've been a lot of questions about what, what after the war, um, what is the Israeli plan? And, and, We've seen reports in the American press here that these, this is one of the big criticisms that the the uh, Biden administration has with the Netanyahu government, that there's no plan. That And so you, over the weekend, I believe it was yesterday, Netanyahu said the following, and I'm going to read the quote here. He said, I think Israel for an indefinite period will have the overall security responsibility because we've seen what happens when we don't have it, that being the security responsibility. When we don't have that security responsibility, what we have is the eruption of Hamas terror on a scale that we couldn't imagine, end quote. So Netanyahu is basically saying here that the Israelis are going to have to buy Gaza for an indefinite period of time. Again, I think very early on, this was obvious to you and I. I mean, you just can't you know, the, the Biden administration has been talking about, you know, critical of the Israeli government. It should launch precision strikes and, you know, uh, like a drone campaign, small special forces basically do counterterrorism against a, a group that administers 140 plus square miles of territory. Um, I just, you know, what are your th- we, we predicted early on that this is what would have to happen um what are the you know and i think this gets back to what we had to talk about you know again from the very beginning and again today which was this is going to be years and that's what netanyahu is telling us here and now do you think joe do you think israeli society is prepared for this and is israel prepared to deal with the backlash from the international community on a occupation of gaza if if assuming what netanyahu here says is the actual policy. And I don't see any reason to believe that it isn't. Right. Yeah. And that's something I've been struggling with trying to figure out, okay, how, what is, what are the Israelis going to do after everything? Are they just going to, you know, they're not going to leave Gaza. They're just, I mean, they can't, they're just not going to leave. It's not going to be right back to square one. Yeah. Yeah. What another group is just going to take over just, uh, uh, another armed group. And then just, there'll be another, it'll be Hamas 2.0. Like, so they can't just leave it. Right. They can't. So, I mean, I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, they'll have to they'll have to stay there. So and then I start thinking, okay, well, if you have IDF troops in Gaza for a prolonged period of time, then I start thinking about Lebanon. I start thinking, you know, southern Lebanon uh, in years past where uh, the the IDF, IDF troops were there and they had bases there and they'd come under attack by Hezbollah. Um, and um, it was just, uh, and I'm just thinking, oh, I, I this is going to be such a problem because they're going to be essentially sitting ducks in in Gaza, right? They're going to be, uh, they're gonna, surely going to going to come under attack. Uh, and uh, I just, I just see a lot of problems. I think it's going to be like. It would be something similar to the West Bank, but the but on steroids as far as the amount of uh, attacks the uh, 
the IDF is going to uh, that that may happen against the IDF troops stationed or you know in in Gaza. So uh, it's that's that's my fear. They're gonna you're gonna start seeing more. They're gonna start seeing these attacks. They're gonna start they're gonna start getting hit by you know remnants of Hamas and things like that. And there's there's just so much to to think about here. Who's gonna take over the Palestinian Authority? Mahmoud Abbas. He can't even he can't even govern the West Bank. Right, he can't even do that right now. Uh, he's the, it's the, the the Palestinian story is so corrupt, um, and the, so what, you're going to put him in Gaza? How is that going to happen? Right? I think there's a lot of pessimism there uh, for the for the PA to let's say take over Gaza if uh, that is a viable solution, which I, I, I can't imagine it is right now. But then again, we're in the early stages, right? There's we don't we don't know what's going to happen in the next six months or the next week or tomorrow. So um, a lot of questions, that's for sure, Bill. Uh, I, I don't see any of them being a, a good option to quite to be quite honest with you as far as what Israel is going to do the day after, you know. Uh, so that's where I'm at right now. I know it's not a good answer, but uh, I just don't know, you know. No, listen, I mean, that's the that's the difficulty of this right and you know look we we don't expect to have answers to this you know my my thoughts on this is you know they have to break they have to break hamas and islamic jihad and all of the groups they those groups need to be dismantled and by breaking they need to kill a significant and i'm talking 70 80 of those fighters need to be killed or you know put in a wheelchair basically um, key leaders need to be taken offline. Hamas leaders need to be hunted internationally. Um, frankly, the will of the Palestinian people need to be broken here too um, to continue the fight. And you know, I don't. You know, there was a lot of concern after World War II uh, at the at the end of World War II that the Nazis would fight an insurgency and the werewolves and all of that. But it never really materialized. Same thing. There were fears of that in ja- in Japan as well, but. You know, if a if a a nation is truly broken, there can be opportunity there. Um, so you know, I guess we'll, again, I'm with you. We're gonna we're gonna find out, right? Um, we're gonna see how this plays out. It does appear though that the Israelis have settled on the idea. Now, who knows? Netanyahu may not be prime minister in months. May not be prime minister in three months, and it could be a new government and that they may change their policy as well. And that may not be something that's um, viable, but I mean, I think the hope for the Israelis is that the Palestinians would be so broken, so tired of, of the war that they, this is so horrible that they don't want to revisit this, that they may not have like the Israelis, um, but they probably don't want them come knocking again. That's, that's probably the best that the Israelis can hope for in the aftermath of this. Right. Um, you know, Israel just, they've made it clear and they're making it clear now that they cannot live beside Hamas anymore. And that's how profound the October 7th attack was. All right. And uh, so they're going to extraordinary lengths to do that. But we got to remember, this isn't only Gaza. This is also the West Bank. And I think what the Israelis are going to be doing here is they're doing this. This war is is, is going to go in phases, right? In phases. So they're going to look at, they're going to concentrate on Gaza, of course, because Hamas is base. But then 
it'll move. I think it'll they'll they'll pivot to eventually they'll pivot to to the West Bank because I mean look at the West Bank's right beside them, right? So um so yeah, so this is like you're saying, this is gonna be a long one, right? So um, but I just keep thinking of uh you know what the Israelis in Gaza keep going back to uh the occupation of southern Lebanon by the Israelis uh and then all the mess that they went through there i just keep i just keep this i just keep thinking about that so i i just i'm like i hope they don't go through this again they've been down this road before so um and of course you have the examples of you know the united states and um in in other in, in its wars uh previous uh previous to this so anyway yeah a lot of questions that's for sure yeah, at least at least we seem a little closer to at least what Netanyahu thinks is an answer. Let's uh, turn to the north, Joe. Um, any significant updates from there? I keep seeing reports. I saw some reports of rockets fired from Syria. You know, Hezbollah seems to keep that keeping up with their simmer strategy. And then Nasrallah had a big speech last Friday that was highly touted. Maybe let's start with Nasrallah's speech. What's your what was your take on that? Was that a uh, monumental um, announcement from Hezbollah and Nasrallah, Hassan Nasrallah, of course, is the the supreme leader, just secretary general, whatever he wants to call himself of, of Hezbollah. Um, and or was this a big nothing burger? Right. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a nothing burger, but um, it was what I was hoping for, where he would what he was just doing was drawing red lines. Meaning that uh, he was saying that, you know, all options are on the table. We can do this. We can do that. Uh, but he never de- formally declared anything as far as, you know, all out war against Israel. Right. So that's the good thing. But, yeah, he did a lot of the same stuff that he does that, that he does in his speeches. He, you know, a lot of rhetoric and, uh, you know, trying to riding Israel and its security establishment so on and so forth so that's what the speech was mostly about and he drew red lines and then he just uh he made it seem like it was uh hezbollah reserved the right to increase its responses to uh to israel uh during this conflict so we'll see what they do like you said earlier it's at a simmer it's below a thresh the threshold of all-out war as far as um what hezbollah is doing right now the idea all the IDF is doing is it's the IDF is in a defensive posture in the north right now. Uh, you could even say that with, with in other fronts, uh, not Gaza, of course. Uh, so uh, the IDF is what they're doing is, is they are responding to Hezbollah attacks. They are not the IDF is not on uh, in an offensive mode right now. So if they see so if Hezbollah fires rockets or uh, drones or guided missiles uh, the israelis will respond now if they see uh um, let's see let's say for example what are usually what usually is called the ticking time bomb or someone that is uh trying to launch an attack uh they will bomb them they will attack them right but those are the two cases where what, what how the those are two examples of how the israelis are responding to Hezbollah. you're not seeing them you know, bombing uh, the southern suburbs of, of of Beirut, where it's a str- Hezbollah stronghold. So far, we haven't seen Hezbollah attack uh, Tel Aviv, for example. The interesting thing is, though, um, there have been uh, rocket attacks against uh, 
Haifa, which is a major city in the north in Israel. Uh, however, uh, Hamas has claimed responsibility for that in Lebanon, Hamas's branch in Lebanon, which they do have. But my feeling is that this is more of a that this is a cover or that it's being done under the auspices of Hezbollah. Ultimately, Hezbollah is responsible for it. Okay. So Hamas isn't operating in southern Lebanon without the acquiescence of Hezbollah. That's, I'm telling you right now, that's not good. It's, no one's operating in southern Lebanon without Hezbollah's permission. I don't care who you are. So, uh, so yeah, so ultimately it's Hezbollah. Okay. But uh, we're seeing most of the, uh, uh friction between uh hezbollah and, and the israel defense forces uh, in the area of the lebanese border it's not going too much farther in each direction but if hezbollah starts to launch drones deep inside israel or rockets deep inside israel you'll see the israeli defense forces reciprocate yeah that's you're 100 right joe like i you know i remember with Afghanistan, I, the numerous time a small group or a foreign terrorist group conducts an attack on U.S. or Afghan forces or the Afghan government or civilians. And, you know, none of these groups would operate in these areas without the countenance of the Taliban. It's the same thing. Hezbollah controls southern Lebanon. They're the, you know, you don't do anything there without getting permission from from Hezbollah. Um, last item, Joe, let's take a quick, there's been a rumor that Mahmoud Abbas, there was an assassination attempt against him, um, by a group calling itself, what the heck was this group calling itself? Um, Abu Jandal. That's right. Sons of Abu Jandal. Is that <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. That was the sons part that, I, that got me there. Um, and any, you know, I saw some video of a convoy being attacked and some craziness. Anything to the rumor here, Joe? Uh, no, yeah, a bunch. I didn't even know about it until somebody uh, I got pinged by a few people, and they're asking me, "Oh, is this, you know, is this, is this valid? Is this genuine?" I'm like, "Huh." And so I'll, I'll give you a little background before it. Before I say anything, sure. so a couple of days ago, statement just came out of nowhere, really. Um, a group I've never heard about calling themselves uh, Sons of Abu Jandal. Abu Jandal was this famous uh, Palestinian fighter uh, and uh, who um, used to fight the Israelis, oh, I think it was back in the 2000s, even before that. Anyways, he was killed by the Israelis, uh, in the, I believe it was in the West Bank. Anyway, so this, uh, this group naming themselves after this famous Palestinian fighter said that they were members of the Palestinian Authority security services, okay? And that they had given, in this statement, they said, we give uh, Abu Mazen or Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian Authority's president, 20, 24 hours to retaliate against Israel or to start operations against Israel or aka terror attacks uh, against Israel uh, and I can't recall the reason behind it, but I'm assuming it was because of what's happening in Gaza. So, uh, so that was the uh, this so-called ultimatum from this were from the so-called statement, right? So, and then today that was about 24, 48 hours ago, and then today there is this news, this video of Palestinian security forces coming under fire. All right, uh, and one of the it appears that one of the uh, security forces members was was hurt, was was shot and killed. Uh, so these rumors started flying. Oh, it's the Palestinian 
uh, Mahmoud Abbas's convoy was attacked, a, assassination attempt, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so uh, I didn't know about it. So I was pinged. I looked into it, asked some people. Uh, no, it had nothing to do with any, nothing about the sons of Abu Jandal, nothing about Mahmoud Abbas, nothing, nothing like that. It was a criminal issue. Essentially, it's a criminal. Uh, I think it had something to do with it was a drug dealer, something like that. Shot, shot a, a security services member. So, and uh, Hebrew or rather Israeli media ended up confirming it. So that it was, it wasn't had nothing to do with Mahmoud Abbas. So uh, nothing there. Uh, but it shows you how how things are right now, right? Uh, how uh, people are on edge, uh, especially with um, everything going on, you know, in Gaza and Lebanon, the West Bank, and, and other fronts. Yeah, when the wars are this hot and when you're waiting for things to escalate, rumors like this start flying. We like to talk about them on Generation Jihad and debunk them if they are indeed, you know, false rumors. Let's face it, that would be a significant development if true, but it's not. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Hey, not a problem. I always enjoy being here and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Thanks everyone for joining us for today's episode of Generation Jihad. Just a reminder, you could find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, preferably a positive one, but only if we earned it. Thanks again. See you all again soon.